All right, welcome back to the Tip It Out Golf Podcast. We got everybody back in the studio again for another week. Hopefully, we had a few rounds breaking 100 this past week. Uh, all thanks to us and your golf game, but, you know, uh, we got Evan Ferraro back in the studio. How are we doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. And uh, Ben Foltz, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Um, glad to be here and uh, staying dry inside. There we go. We like that. We're fair weather golfers now that we've retired from <laughs> college golf. Exactly. At least I am. Nice. Let's just jump right into it, I guess. Uh, I'll start start us off with our, my birdie and bogey. Um, for my birdie this week, I have to shout out Akshay Badia, a uh, fellow lefty, um, finishing uh, fourth. Another top five for him. It's a uh, Good to see some more lefties come back out on tour. You know, we're one. few and far between. So, and it's been fun watching him since he turned pro when he was what seventeen a couple years ago. Yep. So, you know, finally the fruits of his labor coming to fruition. And my just a great golfsman. I just wanted to, yeah, he's really flusher of the golf ball. He gets he gets the scoopies as as his coach. Yes, I think second top five. Yeah, because he finished top five this season at um. Is it Puerto Rico? Might have been Puerto Rico. Yeah. I, I remember it was an opposite field event. Yeah. Um, and also, I'll throw my bogey out there, too, is, as you know, as we've mentioned before, I'm from Detroit. La, big Detroit Lions fan. Love what MC, MCDC and Brad Holmes are doing with the system, with the program. But uh, we had five Lions players suspended for sports gambling. Not great. Optics on it, not good. And especially our star rookie slash sophomore, Jameson Williams, Williamson or Williams, uh, getting six games for gambling, which is uh, sad to see because he was injured all last season. We only saw a couple plays and now we got to wait six more games. So, well, he'll be healthy yeah. for sure. Oh, absolutely. He will be healthy. He will be fast, but yeah. we got to We got to wait. So, he like gambled on like, like an NBA game or some other sport, but while he was in the Lions facility, right? Like was the correct. Yeah. That was, that was the whole problem. Hey, wow. Respect, respect to the NFL. I mean, that seems a little bit overboard, but like NFL is no bullshit, like no gambling period. Like they, you got to follow the rules and it's, I think that's huge for like the keeping the NFL what it is. So. Mm-hmm. I and I, I, you know, at the end of the day, you got to follow the rules. I think there needs to be some updating uh, yeah, there. Yeah. You know, you yeah, can gamble on other sports. Don't gamble on your own yeah. NFL, obviously. But you know, it's it's part of the it's part of society now. It's it's been allowed in basically every state in the country, I think. But that's that's for another time. For sure. All right, I'll toss it over to to Evan, I guess. Cool. Thirty of the week. It's got to be uh, Tony Finau. Um, I've always been a Tony Finau fan, but since watching his Netflix um, full swing episode, he's just seems like the man. He's the king Agreed. of winning non-elevated events slash non-majors. <laughs> but I mean, six wins is pretty damn impressive. Five or he is, I forget what his stat was, but he has multiple four or five wins in his last like 18 starts. So I mean, he's bona fide a winner. You know, even though like yeah. a lot of talk about him not being able to close stuff out, he has proven that he can win. Hold off to John Rom, uh, so that was cool. Bogey of the week, um, kind of twofold. I got beat really badly by Ben Fultz this week, this weekend. Um, I wonder what I wonder what Ben Fultz's birdie's going to be. Yeah, that's half <laughs> bogey. Not not I'm beating. Still playing pretty well. I feel like we both lost him out there, but Ben definitely kicked my ass. I hit three of the four par fives in this course in two, and I played the one over. I three putted three times for par. Yeah, um, that's um, we're gonna not do that again. <laughs> Evan knows what he's got to work down. Yeah, stats don't lie. <laughs> um, all right, I'll pick up the the torch. My uh, my birdie of the week was Mr. John Rom shooting a sixty one. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, course record there, and also just uh, incredibly dramatic since it was a day three big time move. So that was fun to watch. Um, and kind of like my little sub birdie that I have this week too is going to be Eric Cole with the top five. Um, good for him. 
He top five uh, this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. So. Uh, he played well. Yeah, it was a really good showing, actually. I'm not going to lie. It was a good time. I should, probably should have watched at least a minute of it, but <laughs> um, still really good. Uh, my bogey of the week, though, I think is actually before we started this podcast, we were talking about this. Um, I got some stuff that I need to work out on my game as well, such as uh, if I'm inside 100 yards pretty much, I'm, I'm almost guaranteed to fly over the green by 10 to 15 yards every single time. Now, granted, my up and down percentage has got to be in the 90s um, <laughs> because, I mean, I literally never miss the up and down. But I'm losing out on so many birdie opportunities from doing that. You know, it's yeah. it's like I'm I'm now struggling to get a par versus just tapping pars, um, which I need. So I'm going to start. I'm going to go to the range. My next range session is going to be focused on kind of throttling my distances a little bit, uh, you know, really feeling like 82 yards and that kind of stuff, which is weird because over the winter. I did that kind of practice and I was spot on. So there's something about the course or just something that's, that's getting to me a little bit. So I'll figure it out, but yeah, it was definitely a, a big yeah, You're inducing a lot more stress in your rounds that, that needs to be happened. That needs to happen. Yeah. But, it's yeah. all, it's always it's nice when there's like, it's always nice when there's a glaring hole in the, in the game and you're still scoring because when you're kind of scoring and you're like, well, I really don't know where these shots need to come from. Right. It's you're like, man, what do I do? But having having yeah. a glaring hole from a hundred yards and whatnot, you know. Yeah, it makes the, it makes it, the practice nice. easy. It makes the yeah. practice easy. I get I get to go to the range now and like know exactly what I need to work on. Um, but the, I guess the other good thing about that is, first off, I'm getting within a hundred yards enough to notice that problem. Um, and two, um, it means that everything else in my game has been pretty good because I'm still playing pretty well. So like, if yeah. I if I think if I really fix that, then I'll see a big change in my game. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I already said that my goal this year was to try to, you know, play some more birdie golf and everything. So I've, I've definitely been doing that so far. I've been hitting par fives pretty well, um, you know, try to capitalize on the, the holes where I can. But just saying, you know, if I could get it to like five, ten feet, uh, you know, from 100 yards in, I would appreciate that a couple more times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we always love some more birdie opportunities. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, study, uh, the, actually, the, the putting stats on paper probably look really good then, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Under 25 yeah. putts per round, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got to keep doing my stats a little bit more, too. So might add that to the, to the list as well. Yeah. But I think the big thing that I'll be avoiding by hitting those those close ones uh, from like 100 yards out is I'll, I'll keep all my hair into my 30s. I think that'll be the big one. <laughs> Stop balding so fucking fast. <laughs> Getting so stressed um, out there. Yeah. Also, oh, for my for my sanity, Eric Cole's the one who was wearing the dad shoes at the Honda Classic, right? Who You're wearing right, the joggers. Yeah, the, the joggers. Yeah, the joggers and the FJ dad shoes. Yes, sir. Lawn cutting shoes. <laughs> I still need to get me a pair of those. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great look, especially when you're hitting it to like five feet every shot yeah. <laughs> all right yeah you either got to be like a 30 on. handicap or like a scratch <laughs> right exactly <laughs> um, he's got the, he's got the confidence to rock it though and he does it well so yeah but i guess today today we're talking about um 13 handicaps we are we're, uh, 13, we're going to the opposite 13, the opposite end of this right in the middle of it right yeah, we, yeah. We're, we're, we're breaking 90 today that's what mm-hmm. we want to do we had we went over a hundred last uh, last episode, and now we want to cut ten more shots off the off the score. We want to get into the eighties consistently, and I think we have a few thoughts on that. Anybody want to get us started on some maybe some overarching ideas or some just broad points they want to make? Yeah, I think I think there's gonna be a lot of. Oh, I'll just say this really quick. I think there's gonna be a lot of overlap between the last episode and this one. Um, so we're going to try to provide new knowledge, but if there are some overlapping concepts, it just means that those things are kind of, you know, consistent no matter what handicap you're at. So just, just keep that in mind. You might hear, you know, we might sound like a little bit of a broken record here, but, um, you know, some of the things are just, you just can't avoid them, you know? So <laughs> they're going yeah. to be here. They're here to stay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of kick us off. So Ben and I played with uh, two high handicap, high handicap friends of ours this weekend. And just like what I gained, what I, what I like took away from playing with them was how bad they were at recovery shots. So naturally um, 
you're going to hit some wayward tee shots into the trees and, you know, behind some trees and stuff like that. And they, these guys just didn't have a punch shot. They didn't have like a low shot. They could hit underneath the tree. They kept hit like they, every time they were in the trees, they kept hitting more trees um, on their, you know, second and third shots. So Mm -hmm. um, I think recovery shots needs to be um, a high thing on the list of, of key, uh, you know, shots to have when you're trying to break, break 90. Um, Definitely. Like if, if I could provide a, piece of advice of, of how to learn how to hit these recovery shots is spend some time on the range um, hitting low four irons or hybrids or five irons, whatever your low, you know, kind of lower lofted iron, maybe even a hybrid and, and learning how to like advance the ball a hundred, 120 yards while hitting it low underneath trees. Cause um, when you get wayward off the tee, being able to advance the ball, 100 yards, 120 yards, and leave yourself a wedge or a short wedge or maybe even a chip shot for, um, you know, your third shot is just so, so much better than hitting a tree and having 180 yards or having to go around a tree again. Um, so um, I'll kind of kick us off with that. What do you guys have to say about recovery shots? Really quick, I wanted to tack on there that some – this goes hand-in-hand hand with what you were talking about for our recovery shots. and. This stuck with me for a while. It's a good little little saying. If you're in trouble, just get out of trouble, right? I noticed too when we were playing with them that like every once in a while they'll be in the trees and they kind of they have like they see a pocket or something or they see like an out and they think that it's going to be more attainable than just chipping out into the fairway or just getting something back into play. So they go for this like very low percentage shot, trying to you know hit some miraculous thing up onto the green. Um, and then that, of course, leads them to stay in the trees, you know, and then, yeah. you know, it, leads, it, it spirals out of control. So I think a good mindset is this will help a lot for breaking 90 for sure. If you're in trouble, just get out of trouble. Sometimes you have to take your medicine and just hit it, you know, 30 yards to the right uh, just to get it back into play. But that guides your shots every once in a while, too, because if you think you're like, OK, well, I got this pocket here. I could go this way or I could play it safe, you know what's the percentage that you're going to, that you're going to hit that shot, right? If it's high enough, if you think you're confident enough and you can do it, go for it. But, you know, keep in mind that if you don't pull it off and you're still in trouble, you know, it, it spirals out of control. So I think that's a good, like guiding, guiding thought there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was most of me, that was most of my research, you know, I'm back on approach shots. So if we don't want, if we don't mind, we just jump right into approach shots a little bit. Cause a lot of my, a lot of my thoughts on breaking 90 wasn't about hitting the green. I think with breaking a hundred, I talked a lot about just understanding how to select a shot and how to put yourself in the best position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now it's, I focused a lot more on breaking 90 is now we want to play bogey golf is right. Cause shooting 90 is 18 bogeys guys, yeah. 18, 18 bogeys. So if we want to shoot under 90, we, we got a couple pars in there great but you know we want to avoid the big numbers the sixes the sevens the eights um and that really stems from um taking the taking your medicine when you put yourself in trouble is getting yourself out of trouble and like you said is having that punch shot um and also i think it also comes down to realizing that like ben said when you 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 may have a window but are you really that good and even myself sometimes you know you don't want to hit the hero shot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hero shot just it's a high risk, maybe high reward, but mm-hmm. how often do you are you actually able to pull it off? Um, I think right. But like the high risk, high reward point, um it's like it's it's really gonna come down to one one stroke, maybe, right? Like like let's say you have you hit a hero shot up up and over a tree through a window and you hit the green, you two buffer par versus you punch out sideways. You got to, you know, and then you hit your wedge under the green, you two put for bogey. I mean, in that scenario, the hero shot only saved you one stroke, which, you know, yeah. but mm-hmm. it could cost you multiple more strokes. Yeah, exactly. You could hit right. a tree and make a seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially so. for golfers like this that don't that the the high risk part of the high risk, high reward is a much higher um, yeah. because you they, their consistency is so much lower. So, yeah. you know, you, you have to be careful and like not really the hero shot is, is truly a hero shot. Like you're going to be, yeah. it's a once in a million, you know, shot. And I mean, the, the funny thing is the punch shot kind of is too, but at the same time, you know, the punch shot is more logical. Ideally you'll get 
something in play that you can then follow up, you know, so. Yep. And it's like saying your best, your best putt is, I would say to that point of like punch shot being a little is difficult too, is one, just because it's maybe not practiced as much. And also two, mm-hmm. it's still less risky because, you know, if you think about it, it like, like the saying goes, your best putt, it, your worst putt is still better or your best putt is still better than your worst chip or something like whatever that is, worst, but it's just saying, oh, oh right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your worst putt's better than your worst chip. Um, it's just like you're probably going to get it closer on average more with a putter just off the green in the fringe or fairway than chipping it. So, yep. um, but anyway, so with these recovery shots, so you've decided I can't get at the screen. Um, so like what I was thinking, so what, you know, what's, what's the thought process? What do I do when I am picking out a recovery shot is – you don't always have to get it as close to the green as possible. Sometimes you don't have an angle there. So you should be thinking, huh, what's my best club in my bag at the minute, right? You know, am I hitting my nine iron the best from 120 yards? Am I hitting it the best from 100 yards? You know, figure out where you want to leave the golf ball um, to give yourself the best chance to get it on the green and either one putt or two putt. Um, so, you know, sometimes you may have a good look at the green from recovery just going low and you may want to get it as close to the green as possible. Um, and Lou Stagner shows in his data that like getting it as close to the, you know, getting it closer to the green is better. Like, you know, the closer to the green, closer to the green you are, the better you're going to be. So that's always maybe goal number one, but say you have a million trees in front of you and your only option is to punch it, you know, almost 90 degrees right back into the fairway. It's, but it's just understanding that you got to take your medicine. You got to take the big numbers out of play if you want to break 90. So that comes to getting it back in play. Don't try and hit the hero shot and, you know, hopefully hitting the green from there. If not, chip it, try and getting up and down. But, you know, you're trying to avoid making the sixes, the sevens, and the eights. Um, and then on top of that, so now you have punched out into the fairway. Um, is also getting better from a hundred yards and in. Um, ideally, obviously, we all want to have one swing, put it on the green, and either one putt or two putt. But I would say an actionable goal, especially for breaking ninety or something to track, is like over a course of a month or over a course of a couple, you know, over a couple rounds, keeping track of how many strokes or like how many greens you hit in uh, from a hundred yards, one hundred and ten yards and in. And um, trying to get that percentage and going like, I we want to hit seventy percent of the greens from a hundred yards and in. Doesn't matter if it's a green regulation. It's just if I have a shot from one hundred and ten, one hundred, one hundred yards in, can I get it on the green and give myself a chance to at least two putt? Yep. Um, I think that is a great way, and that's a great that's a hard part of the game that a lot of the higher handicaps, you know. 10, 12 plus handicaps really struggle with. And I think dialing that stuff in, dialing that part of the game in is key to playing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can join the uh, the practice for the 100 shot. They're the 100 yards <laughs> yards and in because I, I clearly need it. <laughs> so when when you guys are out there practicing, I'll be out there too. See you, See you on the range. <laughs> yeah, you guys can have a study group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Figure out how to actually hit a wedge on the green from hundred yards in. Uh, um, so the one thing that I did want to mention here really quick was, I don't think that there's a lot that really changes between um, breaking a hundred and breaking 90 in terms of game sense, right? Like understanding how the course operates and like how you actually play a course. But I think around breaking 90 is you could start to focus on like last time we talked about our zones, right? We have these zones that we're trying to hit into uh, in order to lim- and eliminate as much high numbers as possible, right? Still, that that takes into effect, but you could try to hone in those zones a little bit farther, right? Um, now you've Dive got your game figured out. Stuff. Dive into that a little so, bit more. Yeah, so last time we talked about having a, a, a zone that you choose on the golf course, right? Um, picture a scenario here. Ball land. Right, and this is a... You know, it's just it's a you know made up circle that you just make in your mind. But ideally, you 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 try to choose uh, a line on the golf course that avoids as much trouble as possible, right? So you know you have water on the right side of the hole and then a bunker on the left. My zone is going to be placed right over top of that bunker. Um, 
meaning I'm lined up at the probably the middle of that bunker, right? My safety net is over there versus on the right. So I know yeah, that my worst shot yeah. will be within that, will ideally be within that zone. Um, it's like it may be part of the green, game. but it also may be like part of the rough also. It's not necessarily like, mm -hmm. oh, I see the green, I'm trying to hit the green. It's like, okay, my zone here is probably like, where I'm going to make par the most amount of times or where I'm going to make bogey the most amount of times is going to be mm -hmm. the right side of the green and the right rough. Right. High, like that. And it could be, it could be short or long as well, depending on the hole. Exactly. Right. And all that. Um, I, I forgot where I was going originally, but the, the, my point was really that there's not much that changes in terms of gain sense other than the fact that you're going to understand your game a little bit better. So those zones can get a little bit tighter. Right. Um, you know, ideally, you'll you'll have a better shot shape in mind a little bit, um, potential uh, consistency, you know, like knowing where your ball is going to go a little bit better. So you can kind of pick a zone that fits your eye a little bit better. Right. I now have a little I've practiced this type of shot and I might have it in my bag. Let me try to leave myself that type of shot um, inside my zones as well. And I think that's big on approach shots. So, yep. And and also so when I so we talked about breaking 100, I think we for the 20 handicap they averaged about two and a half greens per round mm -hmm. so this number's up a little bit now at 26 percent of greens in regulation or about they average about four greens per round so mm -hmm. i think if we can if we can have like a goal so this goal i would say is more malleable um you don't get yourself down if you're not hitting it. Um, it's more just kind of an idea of like, if I can do this, I, I feel like a break 90. I, I feel like I'm within breaking 90 is of like having setting a goal of like having five greens in regulation. So if you hit the fairway, you know, I'll be like, all right, we got to hit the green, you know, let's hit the green here. Um, Cause if you can have five, two putt pars that puts you and and you can kind of bogey out there. I mean, that's like a 15 over. It's almost like a 80, 86 or something like that. Yeah. Um, eighty six, eighty seven. So that puts you well within the goal of breaking ninety. Um. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think uh, we talked a little bit about um, tee shots and breaking hundred, where you know, good player or scratch golfers are hitting driver three times less per average, like on average per round, than people that are you know shooting a hundred. Um. I think you know that comes that comes even more into play when we're trying to break 90 so you know work on hitting four irons off the tee hybrids off the tee three woods off the tee when you're practicing and and try to bring that to the course and, and realize that driver a lot of times brings in more trouble um by just because you hit driver longer it, it usually brings in more troubles on 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 tight holes on tricky dog legs um you know having a a, a go-to hybrid shot or a go-to three wood shot that you can hit off the tee that, you know, keeps yourself in play and, you know, safe away from that trouble, put yourself in a better position. That's, that's huge. Um, when we're trying to break a hundred or break 90, excuse me. Um, anything to add to that guys? Yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Breaking a hundred is more consistency, not having as many duffs off the tee, not have as many, you know, pop-ups, you know, mm -hmm. um, just getting the ball out there. I think now when you're trying to break 90, when you're trying to get into the 80s, you're really looking at, um, like you said, keeping it, keeping the ball in play, keeping it between the mustard and the mayo. Um, and, and I think it's, if you hit driver, you're trying to get the most out of it. I want to be as close to the green as possible. But now if, you know, we, if we've worked out kind of those duffs and shanks and all that, I think with breaking 90 is now you're, you can feel more comfortable hitting hybrid. You can feel more comfortable hitting three wood. Cause you know, Oh, if I have a six iron in, I'm still going to get it up around the green. Um, yeah. And that's all, that's all we're trying to do now is, you know, being a little bit more consistent with getting it around the green in two mm -hmm. or, you know, on the green in three and making that and just two putting bogey. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what I can throw in too on the tee shots, and I also noticed this with the guys that we were playing with yesterday, is alignment is a big deal um, around this this time in your game. Um, and we didn't really talk about it much with with breaking 100, but it still applies there, obviously. Um, and even more so at breaking 90 is you have to really understand 
how alignment works and where is it, what's a good line and what's a bad line, right? And also what your your shot is currently doing. Um, one of the guys that we played with uh, like consistently was hitting these low left like kind of duck hooks, right? And he would just always line up on the left side of the of the the fairway. You know, he's like on the tee box, he's lined up on the left side of the he's fairway. Like, you're gonna hit first. this low. Yeah, right, right. So we're like, okay, line all the way up on the on the right side, like aim, aim at the right trees, and he would duck hook it back into the middle of the fairway. Um, so like, it, it wasn't necessarily. I think that's actually a great example because that that shows you that you know, you don't need a perfect swing in order to hit fairways every time, to be totally honest. You really just need to know where the ball is going to go. Um, if you're doing something yeah. consistent enough, you'll, I mean, that actually applies to, to breaking 80 as well. But um, my point being, you know, alignment is, is a big deal and you got to be able to figure out how to um, pick a good line for you to, for you to start your, your tee shots on. Um, I think that'll come with a little bit of game sense too. Like once you, you play more, you'll get a better understanding of what you're doing, but for breaking 90, you know, start picking some, some better lines, approach shots, tee shots, everything. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And I don't think you can really fix your alignment on the course. Like, you know, like the, where you mm -hmm. learn how, like where your feet are aligned, where your shoulders line is kind of on the range, you like set a club down, aim the club up to wherever you're aiming at the pin or tree that you're trying to hit out of the range. And, and see what that feels like when you say when you square your feet up with that club that you lay down because that'll tell you a lot about how you're aiming on the course because um, sometimes okay. like a lot of you know higher handicappers aim left and hit a cut um, so when they put that alignment stick down they feel like they're aiming so far to the right um, <laughs> to the right so left and hitting the cut like uh, that's that is that is that is huge figuring yeah. out alignment mm -hmm. and then. And also, it's not a one-time fix, too. I, even as a scratch handicap, and I'm sure even all the pros will will tell you, they check alignment almost every time they play. It's yep. It changes from day to day. The feelings can go away. They can come back. Yep. And it's something that even for three shots on the range or even a practice swing, you know, you know just getting a few practice cuts in with no balls because there's no range balls or something, right, is it's something mm -hmm. definitely nice to – just check before you go out, you know, it's same as like, you know, checking how sharp your knife is before you cut some food or something. Right. So yeah. it's like, it's like I, in your head, you're like, you could think I'm aiming down the middle of the fairway. And then when you check your alignment, you're like, I am no, aiming nowhere near the middle of the fairway. So it's just kind of like <laughs> a, it's, it's, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't like check that on the course, but it's a good reinforcer to be like, okay, I, I now know where I'm aiming at um, or at least where I feel that I'm aiming at and where I should be aiming at. For sure. And also just a quick, quick note is when you're checking alignment, you want your, your feet, your knees or your feet, your hips and your shoulders to all be in the same parallel line. Yep. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yep. So. Um, the other thing with same guy um, we're talking about that we played with this weekend. Man, this guy's catching strays right now. The case study. Perfect example. Case yeah. um, Patient zero. He was like, he was like, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to cut or if I'm going to slice this or if I'm going to draw this. Like I have no idea. And I'm like, well, let's pick a shot that we're trying to hit and let's try to hit that rather than just, oh, I don't know what this is going to do. I'm just going to hit it and see what it does. It's like, no, let's, you, you, you consistently hit the, like that kind of duck hook draw ish shot. Um, you've hit a couple of slices that were maybe misses, but like, let's try to hit the draw and let's set up and like actively have the shot that we're trying to hit off the tee. I think that that was huge because once he started doing that, it was like, okay, we're going to hit a draw. We're going to aim on the right side of the, the hole and we're going to play the draw. And it worked the last like four holes he hit in the middle of the fairway. So, um, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, telling, having a plan for the shot off the tee and not just being like, uh, I don't know if this is going to cut or draw or where this is going to go. It's like, it may go not where you're, what you're trying to do, but like having a goal with the shot, like this ball is going to draw. I'm going to try to start it here and it's going to draw back to the middle of the fairway or I'm going to, cut it and it's going to start here and it's going to come back to, to the middle of the fairway whatever it's just like having um a plan uh, on your shots is is really key i think when breaking yeah. and that's huge for back. every golfer oh, and every especially golfer. every you know especially in the breaking 90 breaking 100 even breaking 80 um especially it, it just like having that plan and having something in mind you know like like somebody tells you to go do an assignment you're like okay what's the assignment right you need to know what you need to execute on 
to to do it. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. know, just going up and whacking balls isn't going to do anything. So why take that to the golf course? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of golfers, a lot of the higher handicaps, kind of get up there and they just whack away. Um, they, little, yeah, they just hit, aim at the pin and home. swing. Yeah, yeah, little little hit and hope strategy. And I think that's that's really like honestly probably the the biggest note that we can make about breaking 90 and like all these higher handicap ones is really just focus on your game sense, right? You just, you need to have a little bit of a better understanding. Just put a little bit more thought into every shot and take your time yes. with it. Like enjoy that process. Um, and I think that'll benefit you greatly. Um, no matter what, like that, that that's all encompassing. Uh, too because it doesn't really matter where you're at in your game you're always going to need that um and that's something that everybody's trying to get better at all the time too so i think that's you know taking a little bit more time on your shots is is huge as well it's a big yeah, point. absolutely and that was a big part of um a big thing i kind of i i wrote down as well is like having a routine having a pre-shot routine yeah like we've been talking all about this consistency so the kiss mm-hmm. that having that consistent routine before swing also helps put your body in in the in the part of like you know oh, i'm about to swing the golf club i know what i'm doing it just helps get you in a routine to get in a flow of playing golf mm-hmm. i love that yeah so that's like a an example of that so like on my pre-shot routine and everyone should come up with whatever works for them but in mine i take somewhere between like one and four practice swings maybe and it's all all my practice swings are like trying to feel the shot that I want to hit. It's like, I'm trying to hit a cut. I'm going to hit however many practice swings it does until I feel like that was like, that was the cut swing I was trying to hit step behind it, pick a target, step up to it and hit it. And it's just like some, everyone should find like a target amount of practice swings, whether how they align themselves and, and kind of like, you know, how many breaths they take, like you can get really into depth and like a lot of good players, they'll have a very, very defined routine. So, Definitely find something that works for you and stick to it and do it every time before you before you hit a driver before you hit an iron shot or a white shot. So, absolutely, yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I think all great uh, pre-shot routines have some sort of alignment incorporated. I think that's probably like the only true mm-hmm. requirement of a pre-shot routine that you absolutely have to have. Um, every single great routine has one. I mean, I stand behind the ball and then I step into it a very specific way so that yep. I feel like my feet are on that that direct line. Uh, but yeah, whatever works for you, obviously, but it, you definitely going to need to include some sort of <laughs> alignment thing. Cause that's, it's incredibly beneficial, especially when you're out there. Uh, like we just said, and alignment is alignment already is incredibly helpful, but then adding it to your appreciate routine and getting a real sense of like how that, that works. And then you can actually more consistently pick your line, not only that, but also hit your line. That'll be, that'll be game changing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think alignment is like one of the, pillars of the golf swing like if you're not swinging well the first couple things you check are alignment maybe grip and <laughs> yeah posture, you know, like, maybe posture posture yeah, yeah like those yeah. those three uh, like if you can if you can fix the problem with one of those it makes it you probably think, could you can fix like 80 percent of the problems yeah, with i was that. gonna say exactly yeah just those three <laughs> yep. uh-huh. so um let's yeah, talk whenever, about whenever i'm oh go ahead sorry oh, go ahead no 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 no, no you're switch. fine go ahead okay uh, so I kind of want to talk about putting. Um, I think uh, we're trying to break 90. We're going to have to make some putts inside 10 feet, inside five feet, right? Like we're going to have a couple of five foot par putts, bogey putts, you know, whatever they may be. Um, we're going to need to, you know, make them. I think I want to, before I, before I get too far deep into this, I want to show like, we're trying to be like a 15 handicap to break 90. Um, they make 84% from inside six feet. And then they make um, from six to 12 feet, they make 39% on average. So keep that in mind that, you know, we're not going to make them all, but we want to do be consistent and, 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 you know, make the ones that count, I guess, or, you know, make them more consistently. So um, a quick drill that I like to do that helps me dial in um, five footers and in is called the clock drill. So you to pick a hole on the practice screen and you set, you're going to have eight tees um, and you kind of set it up um, on four sides of the hole. So I'll set a tee on all four sides of the hole at um, three, four feet. 
let's call it three feet. And then right behind that tee, I set another tee at five feet on each of the four sides of the hole. Um, and what I try to do is I try to go make all four in a row from the inside tee. So like that three foot putt range. Once I do that, I can move on to the far range and I try to make all the far ones in a row. And once you do that, then I'm done. Um, you know, you could get really, really tough with this and you have to make all eight in a row, but I think the better drill, the more rewarding and more attainable drill is you make all four in the <laughs> inner circle in a row, and then you move to the outer circle and try to make all four of those in a row. And if you, if you miss one, you go back to the start um, kind of thing. So uh, mm -hmm. anything to add on putting? Uh, I just wanted to throw really, really, out. really, yeah, really quick for that drill too. Um, a little hack is if you use your putter and you put your putter head in the hole um, and kind of like pull it tight, that's usually around two, three feet or so. And then you can put the tee at the end of that putter and it gives you a good sense. And you can set it up yeah. literally three seconds before tees. Um, yep. It's it's awesome. You can do it anywhere too, which is great. So I love that drill. Um, but, yeah. and I, I had the, I had the putting section here um, and, you know, not much, not much really to add on that, to be totally honest. And to reiterate that, you know, you really don't want a, a three putt. So avoid three putts as, as much as possible. Um, and I'll reiterate it again one more time because it definitely applies even more here is, um, funny enough, alignment. So you pick your line on a, on a putt and you, you're feeling out the speed. But in order to avoid those three putts, I think the big thing is you want to leave yourself a, a makeable second putt. And I know I said this last time, um, but it is just so crucial to, you know, play bogey golf like we're talking about here is – get that first putt close enough that you can just tap in the next one. Um, you know, tapping pars or bogeys are never a bad thing when you're trying to break 90. So um, I think that's really all I had to add on putting, but um, you know, really just practice and drills would be a good, good addition to get you there for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't even get to spend like two hours at a putting green. Like you can be, I think efficiency and like quality practice are the names of the game. Like let's go spend 15, 20 minutes, dial in on our five footers, making a bunch of five footers, practicing those. Mm -hmm. And then let's spend five more extra minutes on like lag putt speed or, you know, some combination of a 20 minute practice session focused quality practice is way better than just spending hours and hours at a, at a putting green doing. We stuff. can go back to our very first episode if we, if we want to. Yeah. Focused practice. <laughs> focused practice. <laughs> um, the, uh, I, I, to add on to your putting, your practice, uh, putting practice, comments is like you said is having it you know focused and efficient is always nice um i what i like to do just um to give people ideas um yep. is i'll do like a short putt like the clock drill um granted i'm not as big of a opponent as a clock drill as i am the spiral drill i can get into that if we want but um what i'll do is i'll do the short putting drill you know the makeable putt drills um I'll do one and then I'll take two balls and I'll walk around the green and I'll hit like six putts, just, you know, just picking random spots going through my routine. Um, and then I may do like a, a gate drill or like a, a breaking gate drill. So I'll put a gate halfway through the putt of where kind of like the apex of the putt is and like a, a target tee, even with the hole, yep. um, just kind of understanding, seeing break and seeing that, you know, there's a couple lines you can take, you know, trying to hit your line, trying to hit that apex um, and matching speed with that. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, you should explain a gate, just a, a basic gate drill and then maybe go in a little bit more because I think gate drills are all phenomenal drills. You should. Yes. So, yeah. So I actually start off every, every, before every round, almost every round before, um, before even putting practice is I use the gate drill. So what you do is you take two tees um, and put them on either side of the putter head. You're about three feet from the hole, flat putt. And what I like to do um, is try and make three in a row with uh, both hands on the putter, three in a row with one hand on the, with, you know, my lead hand on the putter, three in a row with my back, uh, my off hand on the putter, and then three in a row again with my lead hand on the putter. It helps me feel the club face, make sure I'm coming through square, putting a good roll on the ball, yeah. um, hitting it in the center of the club. Yeah, gate drill is um, great because like you have to you you make the gate just wide enough so your putter can barely fit through there, right? Like that's that's the yep. goal. And then um, it's like instant feedback. You make a bad stroke, you hit one of the tees, you know you made a bad putt. So being able to consistently hit a putt without hitting the tees, you know, without hitting the gates, um, 
really, really crucial um, consistency thing. And uh, we're trying to break 90. Like that's, that's huge. So. Yeah. And, and it's, and like you said, it's just making consistent strokes um, across all aspects of the game is, is huge. Um, Or at least being more consistent than we were. Um, And then I like the, uh, Oh, I was going to throw in really quick that I like that gate drill too for visualizing the break that that point that you made there. Yes, um, that's yeah. going to be really, really uh, beneficial for people trying to break ninety because that that you know like if you if you're able to uh, practice that drill enough, you then get to the point where you're starting to visualize a line for yourself on your putts, um, and it just it it just goes you know hand in hand with with eliminating those three putts. So yeah, it helps you match read uh your line with your speed it helps like uh and this is putting the gate halfway through the putt um on a breaking putt um it helps you match your line with your speed it helps you visualize the line of the putt it helps you see the difference between an apex and the start line yep um and it just just all around huge benefit i try to do it once a month maybe twice a month um it's not something you have to do all the time um and then obviously doing some lag putting as well. We talked about that last episode of like creating that box and putting into the box for points. Um, even just running, walking around the putting green, finding a bunch of different putts, uphill, downhill, left to right, right to left, uphill, left to right, downhill, right to left, you know, um, and just a bunch of different distances and just getting a feel for the greens. Um, and then also, so I did mention the spiral drill and I do want to talk about it now because it is one of my favorite putting drills ever. Um, even more than the clock drill, even more than the gate drill. And basically you take uh, seven, seven to 10 tees, however far you want to go out, but you put one tee at three feet and then you move a little over to the side. You put one tee at four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So is, so it's a circle. And as the circle goes out, it's getting bigger and bigger and farther away from the hole. So I go from three feet to about 12 feet. You can go three to 10, you know, whatever you want to do. And I like to try and make every single one in a row. I give myself one or two chances after about an hour of trying this because it's a really hard show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, give yourself, but if you don't make it, you go back to the start. And so yeah. you get a lot of reps on those three to six feet and you get some reps on the eight, the, the seven, eight, nine, ten feet, uh, feet butts. So um, also pressure. Pressure, yes, pressure. Good there too. pressure, 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 practice is, is key to getting better. The one thing I wanted to add to this, it's almost like around the world. You can do this with friends. Like we used to do this all the time in college where like you could make as many putts in a row. So like, say, let's say I make the three footer, the four footer, but I missed the five footer. I can chance that or I can stay and let Mac go then now. And, and it's the first person to make that 10 footer at the end. And that's so super fun. Uh, Putting drill that adds is a, a great pressure, game. Adds a little pressure. Adds a little fun with the with the boys. Um, I love absolutely. that. I absolutely love that drill. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I did. I, yeah, and the beauty of that one too is you can you can get like ten people to play with that that one with you. So you know you mm-hmm. got like a big 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 group out there like an eight sum or something. You just everybody's on the putting green beforehand, just yeah. letting rip the around the world. It's really fun. I mean, even. Too. Even we're talking about putting games and something that we play all the time. I mean, we, we can talk about poison, but I think that's a little bit more fun than practice. I think going okay. out like you got a buddy or two is going and just playing like putt-putt on the putting green. Somebody going to pick out a hole. Um, and I think if you're doing this for practice, you might want to pick some shorter putts. Obviously, don't go for the across the green 150, 200-foot yeah. putts. But, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know. Picking, mixing in some shorter putts, you know, 10, 15 feet with some 40 footers, maybe even 50, but trying to get in pars too, right? So you're trying to, you're trying to just two putt everything and you just have like a little match or something. And I think that's a great way of like mixing up your practice, having fun, putting pressure on it. Um, But yeah. But also that also gives you a great opportunity to practice your, your kind of your pre-shot routine there too. If you're exactly. doing this little game with with somebody or like a, with a buddy or something like that, you know, both practice your pre-shot routines, you know, and try to help each other with the putt and like start thinking through how you would actually hit this putt if you had it on the golf course. Um, and you know, practice is always more fun when you have friends with you. So um, playing that little that little competitive game not only gives you the pressure situations, gets you 
access, you know, to shorter putts, pressure putts, but you can also practice your pre-shot routine, start talking about the, the putts with the, with somebody else that helps you visualize it. There's a lot, a lot of benefits that come from that. Um, and you'll definitely start notice that, noticing that practice. Um, if I haven't done that in a while, I, I notice it on my putts. I start missing my short ones. And I'm like, at first I always start confused. I'm like, I don't know why the hell I'm missing all these putts. And then I start realizing, I'm like, okay, well, I haven't really practiced two to three footers in a little bit, you know, and I noticed some quirk with my swing or something. So um, th there's just a lot that is revealed through that practice as well. So it's, it's a good, it's yeah. a really good one. That reminds me, I should yeah, probably do think... that next time I go to the range. <laughs> You know, now that we mention it, um, yeah, right. I think all right. ultimately all of this is just to um, avoid three putts. Um, maybe, like Evan said, make a few more putts inside of 15 feet. And we're not talking about a lot. You know, we're talking one, two, maybe three putts per round at most. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But just, you know, each each stroke counts the same. So, you know, yeah. That's yeah. Avoiding three putts or limiting three putts is the easiest way to save strokes and break ninety. So that's why. And you're obviously not gonna eliminate them, like Evan said in his bogey mm -hmm. or birdie, whatever it was. Um, Plus point five handicap, and I had three or four three putts. Still, yeah, so, and he's still, they're still and he still and he and he broke eighty, still. Yeah. So, you know, mm -hmm. it it comes from every aspect of your game, and it comes from mm -hmm. you know, not you know avoiding the blow up holes, learning to take yeah. your medicine when you need to. And just getting off the tee and putting yourself in play at the start of each roll. The one, yeah. So I think if we could wrap this up with one thing we haven't touched on, maybe like chipping. Um, oh, I, I was think, about to, I was about to say something yeah. on that too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk chipping. I think if I could lead us off. Oh. Listen to break a hundred. Go for it. Um, a bump and run chip shot is crucial to have to add to your arsenal. Like everyone has a chip shot that can go high with a lob wedge, but like work on taking a nine iron taking a pitching wedge and hitting like a putting stroke type chip shot that releases and gets on the ground really fast and runs out. Uh, cannot emphasize the need for that enough um, for mm -hmm. trying to break down, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. I know Ben has some thoughts. Yeah. I just wanted to say that uh, kind of expanding on our little game that we, that we came up with for the putting. Um, I used to do this all the time as well. You just go out to a hole, you're on a putting green. Um, and you can also practice up and downs that way too. And you can make it a little, little competition as well. Um, yes. You know, everything is still a par two because ideally you want to be able to get up and down for, you know, for a par, that's the scenario. Um, so if you go out there and you can, you can start picking shots just out, out, outside the green and start practicing those bump and runs, um, you know, the variety of shots that you can come up with there is the real, I think the real benefit of that practice though. Um, yeah. Not only are you getting the pressure, chips and those kind of things and you're you're finishing out all the putts as well in order to really try to nail home those those the putting side of things as well but you know you can put a ball in a spot where um you know you'd be normally completely confused on what to do uh and then you you put yourself in a scenario that if you're out if you, you get, get the same scenario when you're out there on the course you now know what to do um and you have some practice so um don't be afraid to get a little creative with those shots as well um that'll that'll be a big benefit for the for that practice. Love that game. Yeah. And even you can even do this while you're playing. Like if you're going out and you're playing 18 holes, um, mm -hmm. definitely helps if you're walking. I also suggest to just walk as much as you can when you play golf because you will play better. I think that's an underrated aspect of the game. It helps you clear your head. But anyways, when you're playing the game, um uh take it out to the golf course. Uh even go you can even go as far back as like 40 yards and mm -hmm. you know play with somebody else play with yourself but basically all you're trying to do is make uh to get up and down one you know so each hole's worth is a part two basically so mm -hmm. you know you get 18 up you 18 up and downs and it it helps yeah, uh just kind of dialing in just giving yourself real real world situations on the course you know things you may encounter anytime so mm -hmm. yeah the uh, the last thing that I'll say on the chipping side of things really quick too is the uh, some local areas have little like uh, I, don't, I don't know what you would call them like a, a, they're normally called two club courses where you just go out there with like two wedges and a putter pitching putts like uh, right and I know there's a lot of those locally so if you're really like struggling with wedge game or something go go play one of those because you'll you'll figure it out pretty quick <laughs> I've uh, done that quite a few times and like yeah not only is it really fun because it's like mini golf but 
um, you, you're also getting some good practice. You know, you're going to see distances that you probably won't see all the time too. So um, exposes you to a big, a wide range of shots and opportunities. So for sure. Sweet. And uh, yeah, a little local plug for the Windmill Lakes Golf Center. Uh, they do have a, a, a two club mm -hmm. place. If you're local in the Windmill Lakes area, uh, go there. <laughs> all right, yeah. for our, I'll never do that again for you. Next time you got to pay me. When are we? Yeah, we need to get in contact with the. We need to get in contact with the windmill lakes. We should get some money from. Yeah, all this shameless plugs, man. Yeah, no more, no more free shoutouts. All right, we're banning from now on. We're banning from now on. We're banning windmill lakes golf references. Okay, you can still go there, but we're not going to talk about them. <laughs> I'll still talk about it. You guys, <laughs> Burns, right. Burns is technically being paid, so he's on the inside. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Any uh, any closing thoughts on breaking ninety? Thoughts? Uh, uh, please uh, let us know Thumbs if up. anyone breaks uh breaks ninety here at Tip It Out Golf um on Twitter. Let us know uh if you tried any of our drills or if you uh, found anything we said helpful. Uh, we want we'd love a uh, any feedback any feedback yeah, we love all the feedback um and you know we want to get engaged with the community we want to hear about you know all the the highs and the lows the peaks and the valleys um so yeah if, uh, glad you mentioned that if you if you do end up being a high handicap and you have access to a camera uh videotape your swing and send it our way too because that might be a uh that might be featured on a future section of ours if we do I ever do some some handicap swing analysis or something then we'll uh We'll definitely take a look at that, which would be awesome. Closing thought on this. We, we say we speak from uh, a, lot, a scratch golfer's perspective. So when we say high handicap, um, you know, a 15 handicap's actually getting towards a low handicap. Uh, relative yeah, fair. So I think fair. We, yeah, uh, we, uh, we've been throwing that term around. We've been throwing that I would say and that, we don't mean to demean you guys. I think we're just um, – we've played so much golf in our life and played a lot of competitive golf that we kind of um, – we our our head is geared that way um where like dude breaking 90 is a huge deal and um mm -hmm. a really really awesome feat that not a lot of golfers have done so uh yeah. don't let uh, don't let our uh maybe ignorant yes uh, remarks take away from like how awesome it, it is to break 90 so even breaking 100 too even I breaking 100, 100 is just once, once we once we start breaking 90 we are we are mid to low handicap so yeah. you won't be hearing yeah, that term <laughs> more much uh, much more often anymore so we apologize mea culpa at the end of the episode so all right cheers good luck play well cheers.